The difference maker is not the technology, it's not the platform, it's the way that you're approaching it, it's the level of conviction, it's the way that you're, the conversation that you're having with your staff and how you're bringing them in and along that conversation. And there definitely is a, a trail of bodies of folks that have tried and failed. And just give a little bit of context on why you're on the panel in the first place. Peter, let's start with you, my man. What's your background and relationship with uh, process and property management? Yeah, so thanks, Jordan. I appreciate you having me on the panel today. My background is engineering. So I have a degree in electrical engineering, and I worked as a control systems engineer for about five years professionally before I started the property management company nine years ago. And... Um, immediately started looking for ways to apply what I knew about process and systems from engineering into the property management world. And so pretty early on was using what was available at the time, which was process street to create checklists and a little bit of automation around our core processes, like the move in checklist, the new client checklist and those types of things. And, um, it just kind of expanded from there. All right. Awesome. Let's go ahead and hear from Sam Schwetz. Tell us a little bit about your background. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, so I was actually in the nuclear Navy right out of high school and um, at 21 years old was trained to operate a nuclear reactor, not because I'm anything special, but because process and system was so uh, integrated into the Navy's culture, especially the nuclear Navy's culture. So I came from at a pretty young age, starting out in my career, uh, just ingrained in process as the way that we do everything. And so then coming into property management, uh, joining the family business after my time in the Navy, I've taken a lot of what I've learned there and implemented that first in the form of paper checklist, then we were on Asana, and then Process Street, and then Lead Simple, a kind of similar uh, sequence of uh, different softwares that we've used, I think, to the other panelists. And so here right now, we manage about 1,100 doors and, you, and are uh, fully implemented on processes through Lead Simple currently. From the nuclear navy to property management i don't know if that's an upgrade or a downgrade but it's certainly an interesting uh, story I myself the same thing <laughs> wolf let's hear from you uh so uh wolfgang crossy san francisco bay area and our family has a real estate company i'm uh, third generation into it and my dad paper forms paper checks everything paper because then he knew it was done and as i got older and more brave and uh, after finishing uh, a career in education as a teacher, I said, you know, there's got to be a better way, Dad. No, this is how we do it. And talking to friends, they're like, oh, you should get Salesforce. All right. So I check out Salesforce and I was like, yeah, that's uh, going to cost a fortune and you got to build it and everything. So I started looking for alternatives and did Asana, did Podio, did Process Street, did trying to build our own stuff and finally came to where we are now with Lead Simple and have built, taken our processes, digitized them and done a lot to really help improve the efficiency. But for me, the, the biggest point that I hope to be able to share today is that anyone can do this. It does not take, you don't have to be an engineer and you don't have to be somebody in the nuclear industry. Like you can just be a common person like myself and, um, even if you you know have a little bit of experience, it's there is the ability for anybody to do this. I feel like I should point out that I didn't finish college. If that's helpful to anybody here, so no nuclear navy background, undegreed. Uh, Zach, round us out. Awesome. 
Well, good to see everybody. Uh, I'm Zach. Senior software engineer is really where, where I come from. That was my background. So I've been in tech my entire career, um, engineering specifically. But ultimately, the only reason I got into tech is because of my, my belief that technology can help um, a lot of industries in ways that haven't been explored yet. So I was just kind of infinitely curious in technology and then got more and more interested in real estate over time. And those converged with my interest in workflow automation, um, specifically focused on real estate and property management. Then I came and joined the uh, fearless leader here, uh, Jordan, um, doing that specifically for this industry. And it's it's been phenomenal. So worked with Hundreds of property managers now uh, related to processes and workflow and how to make that actually work with your team. And there's a ton of challenges that I'm sure we'll talk about today and a lot of opportunities as well. So excited to dive in. All right. So as we kick things off, I want to make sure that the panel has maximal context. So let's take a quick poll on chat again. Tell me one use case that you're interested in hearing about. If you're here, you have a vision for using process technology automation. What is one use case? What is one process? What is one situation that you're interested in using process to automate, improve, make go away, refine the, the rough edges off of? Just drop in chat what comes to mind for you. Showings, tenant benefits package. Interesting. Onboarding. Yep. Yep. Networking follow-ups, sending emails, applicants, move-ins, move-outs. Okay. All right. We'll let you guys keep running. For the panel, that's some context of what people are interested in hearing about. What I, what I would actually like to start with is the things that are uh, very unlikely to be on that list. So I'd love to go around the room and hear from you guys. What is one non-obvious process i.e. not a move-in, move-out, not an application process? What is one non-obvious process that your company has gotten a lot of value from and it's been really impactful to you guys and for your customers? Peter, let's start with you. Sure. So the one that immediately came to mind is um, around getting Google reviews. So Google reviews are really important to our business. And I think that it's important for the team to understand how the company is doing in the public's eye. So one thing I did, just a really quick automation, probably more than a process, but I set up in Zapier um, a trigger. So if we got a good Google review, meaning four or five stars only, it would publish to a Slack channel that we call feedback. So the team, everybody can see when we had a great experience from a client or a tenant. We all get enough bad news and unhappy clients and tenants throughout the day. So whenever we get something that's positive, I want everyone to be able to see that right away. So that all happens automatically. Love it. How about you, Sam? I would say our employee onboard process. So just hiring new employees uh, and the way that that would affect our customers is the better trained they are and the more consistently trained all of our employees are, um, then the better service that we're going to provide. So we have a process just to make sure we don't forget all these different types of trainings that we like to do um, with them and around customer service specifically uh, so that everybody gets that same amount of training in the first like week or two that they're with us. Uh, I think that's been really beneficial and is kind of non-obvious. Awesome. Wolf? Uh, for us, I would say that it's our weekly and our monthly process. So there's a lot of things that each, you know, your company does every week, every month that are on the same schedule. What is your process to make sure that those are always done on those same key dates? You know, like, for example, getting the bank statements over to whomever's going to start the reconciliation, right? You know, it needs to be done. It's super important, but 
do you have a process for that? And do you have your week and your month mapped out? So for us, those two have helped us to be um, consistent in our operations, which then frees us up to do more to actually serve our customers. Love it. How about you, Zach? Run us out. Yeah, for me, uh, I was Sam's took it out of my mouth. It wouldn't just be employee onboarding, though. It would actually be non-obvious around recruiting. Um, so tracking actually your your application um, career pipeline, basically, um, and the flow and have what your process is for actually hiring. And I think a lot of us um, don't have a great process for it, and we end up kind of accidentally hiring some really solid people, and then at other times not hiring maybe uh, as high quality as we want it. And that process is super important, especially as you consider kind of, we're talking about the, the how today, a little bit more process, but if you don't have good who on the team, it's going to be a problem. So having a great uh, hiring process would be where I would go. And that leads into Sam's, which is employee onboarding post hiring, which is just as important. Yeah, I love that. So what I find so interesting about this process conversation is that it's really easy to see the end state, you know, to see a to see a car, to see a Lamborghini, and just it's so obvious how attractive that is. But it's not obvious how one is built, right? It's in a factory in the background. It's pretty opaque. So I think it would be great to talk a little bit about the process of adopting process. Each of you guys has thought pretty deeply and have had multiple staff members, multiple iterations go through this adoption process. And the change management conversation is the conversation to be having. I run a software company. I think what we sell is great. But at the end of the day, I could never tell you with a straight face that you could only adopt process with our tech. There's a bunch of great softwares out there that you could adopt process with. The difference maker is not the technology. It's not the platform. It's the way that you're approaching it. It's the level of conviction. It's the way that you're, the conversation that you're having with your staff and how you're bringing them in and along that conversation. And there definitely is a, a trail of bodies of folks that have tried and failed. So I'd love to hear from you guys on what your own journey has looked like, what some of the false starts have looked like, and what are the key, what's it, what some of the key lessons learned are that transcend the specific platforms and technology that you're using. Whoever would like to jump in there first, let's, let's riff. I'll just start. Um, so two things come to mind here. One is a lot of people get really wrapped up about what their staff is going to think. Oh, they're worried, you know, that they're going to be fired or whatever. It's been my experience that the team gets really excited when I show them what's possible with um, process, especially some of the automation and integrations. So I wouldn't let that fear stop you from moving forward. And yeah, everyone knows the whole thing. You spin it like, oh, well, we'll be able to manage more properties with the same number of people. You don't have to worry about your job. I mean, surely, you know, your team isn't worried that you're actually going to terminate them after implementing a lease signing process. I just, I don't know. That's interesting that that's what comes up as a fear for people. I would encourage everyone to push past that. The other thing that we've had a lot of success with in terms of implementing is the tech is not a silver bullet. And in fact, technology is only going to enable what's clear in your own mind and mm -hmm. ideally written out on paper. So, if you have a chaotic lease signing process now, adopting XYZ technology is actually gonna make that worse. I can tell you that right now. So until you're clear and start with, like literally when we started, it was a printed out Word document with a checklist, like the little bubble that you can find in Word that you can check off. That's what it was. We would print it off, use it. And as we were using it, I was like, I want you to mark the heck out of this thing cross off things that are irrelevant, mark up the text the way you want to see it, reorder things. 
Then next time we have someone sign a lease, we print off a new copy, we work that for a while. And once that checklist is really, really good, now is when you bring the technology in and, that, and that's the unlock. I'll start with just a failure um, that we had in implementing them was I, I started building all of our processes and I realized I was pretty disconnected from a lot of the day-to-day -day of the business. And so then when we tried to roll it out, it didn't work and people were like, this isn't really how we do this. So not bringing in the team and making sure that they have input on the process building portion itself was definitely something that I had to learn. And so just get, making sure everybody's first of all, doing things the same way within your company is important, you know, to start off with, if you have, you know, teams or multiple property managers, and maybe one person does it this way and one person does it that way. Um, you got to understand what the best way to do it is put into a process and now everyone's going to do it that way. So I had to learn that. Um, and then getting the team to buy in was really helping them see how it's beneficial to them, both on a financial level and then just on uh, making their job easier. Because if, for us, at least, the more a property manager manages, the more properties they manage, the more money they're ultimately going to make. So if a, if a process system, especially an automated-based process system, can help them make more money, then I mean, I would be interested in that as a property manager. So helping them to see the, the financial incentive um, on their side is good. And then just we have weekly meetings where we get input on what we need to be changing on process. You know, it's like, hey, should we, you know, what should we be doing differently? And the team gives feedback and then we're continuously improving those processes um, to make sure that they're staying happy with the system because the system should be working for them, not like they're forced to use some system that they don't want to do. It should really be there to, to help them. And it helps you bring in like remote team members because one person can take an action, for example, a remote team member can upload a document that then causes an automatic email to get sent out from the property manager. So you can tell a property manager, hey, you know, you used to have to do this manually after this person told you they were done with their step, and now these things can happen automatically. So you remove the, some of the tedious aspects of a property manager's day to day, and they really start to see the value. So once they once they understand the value, and the, and you know the financial side of things, it, it was a lot smoother for us. I think I saw a comment from Pamela. So I'm going to speak to the the solopreneurs and the, the smaller companies out there. I am um, when I'm, I'm not speaking on these. I, I run the Chamber of Commerce here in Pittsburgh. So I have a, a place in my heart for the, the small business and the person that's in the grind. And the important piece to know about processes is that whether it's just you or a whole fleet of people, it is the same thing. It's obviously easier to implement a process when it's just you because you only have to convince yourself it's a good idea. But the important part is having that process. So I'm gonna put in the chat box, hopefully this works, but here's a link to a Google search for a picture. Um, it does involve poop, just forewarning. But if you don't have a good process, it's like a Roomba that finds the dog turd in the floor and just spreads it all over the place. And that's regardless if you have one person or 200 people, it's going to be the same. And so if you're finding that you're constantly putting out fires, dealing with calls, dealing with whatever, and you can't actually do your work, it's a process issue. It's it's not understaffed or overstaffed. It's, it's usually a process issue. So coming up with your processes is is critical. Um, I actually think it's more important on the small side because you are building your company, you're establishing your brand. Every management company has to do move-ins, move-outs, collect rent, serve notices. But what differentiates you is your process and the experience that it's going to create. And as you establish that, then people are going to want to do business with you. And then you're going to have to start thinking about having team members, 
whether they're boots on the ground or remote, that doesn't matter. Um, and when you get to that point, because it's going to happen overnight, all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, I, I need people. And if you don't have your processes, now you have two Roombas spreading stuff all over the place. So get those processes nailed down as a small company. You may not have, you know, the handoffs built into your process, but you still documenting it and then getting it built. And I've seen conversations where people are like, oh, I only have 50 doors. I'll stick to my Excel spreadsheets. Buy that bigger software now. You may not qualify for it. You may not be able to afford it, but buy it now and get it implemented so that when you are at that point where you're at 200, 300, 500 doors, whatever it is, you already have it going and that you're not behind the eight ball trying to play um, catch up. So I think that it's plan for where you don't think you're going to be because eventually you're going to be there. Let's talk a little bit about templates because multiple people are asking that that question. This is a really interesting one because the short answer is is yeah, definitely. There's lots of templates. Um, Zach, you want to speak to a, a little bit about templates, which are there sure. versus yeah. the, like how much value can you get from a template, right? Itself. Yeah, I'll I'll kick this off, and I'm sure Sam and, and all of the rest of the panel will have thoughts on this as well. Um, there there is a belief that there's a shortcut when it comes to processes across the board. I see it all the time. Um, people believe that well, if if Wolfgang were to share his processes with me, that would save me a ton of time. There is a kernel of truth to that, but it will not save you all of the time. Uh, what I like to tell people, what I've seen in my experience working with hundreds of property managers and developing processes is one of the biggest mistakes that's made is not allocating enough time, uh, not just to implement, but also to train after the fact. So Wolfgang, Sam, Peter, um, Lead Simple has a set of best practices and templates as well. Um, and we do that because we know it does save time, but it's in that 50 to 60% range. We're not talking about 90% or 99% or time savings. You are your own business. What makes you unique is your experience, what you deliver, how you do business. Um, and that requires customization. And that's the power of customizable software. It allows you to do a lot of things, but that's where your thought has to be involved. You can't just take Peter's process and say, hey, this is gonna work for me, because it won't. His regulations are different. His timelines are different. Um, there's a lot of even just regulatory differences between every single real estate market uh, that you have to put into place. So please do not go away from this panel thinking that you could get Sam's workflows and, and it would be done for you. I would love if that was the case, but actually the thought that's put into it is part of the value that then ultimately gets delivered into the company. But I'll let the rest of the panel speak to that being boots on the ground. That's what I've observed in helping a lot of property managers do it. Yeah. So I'll tell you something. You already have a process. Whatever you're doing when a client, when a tenant signs a lease, that's your process. Now you may not have written it down or it may be done slightly differently each time, um, but I would encourage you to just start with that. Just start from like, what am I supposed to be doing when a tenant signs a lease? Well, I've got to deposit the security deposit and first month's rent into the bank. I have to notify the owner. I have to upload the lease to the software, right? Even if it's just three things, those are the only three things you're doing, write that down. And then every time you do that process, reference that checklist and start to add things. Now I love the templates for getting ideas of mm, mm. additional things we yep. can be doing, stuff you might've been forgetting about, powerful um, customer experience ideas, like sending a follow-up email five days after move-in to make sure everything's okay, right? Like there's a lot of great ideas you can get from templates, but I think if you try and like 
download the top five lease signing templates and like start reading them all and trying to figure out how to incorporate them all to make the one to rule them all, you're going to get kind of like confused and frustrated. Just start with what you're already doing um, and build from there. And I think your process is what differentiates you from other companies, because if we were all doing it exactly the same way, then we wouldn't have a lot of differentiation within our market. So if you do something that you know, works really well one time, put it in your process. For example, if you send a handwritten thank you note to an owner after they sign up, put that in your process so you do yep. it every single time. And that's what differentiates you from the property management company down the street who maybe does that once or twice, but they don't do it consistently every single time. And it's also going to vary. Your processes, as far as templates go, will vary based on the customer that you serve. So if you're really clear on what your ideal customer looks like, like for us, Southern California, it's like all accidental landlords. We have very few investors. Um, our property to owner ratio is like 1.3 or something like that. So I'm going to have a very different process than someone who's in a market. Like I think Peter, you're in a market where it's a lot of investors. I'm going to have way more communication touch points with my owners probably than Peter will, just because I'm doing a lot of education and training and trying to get them to understand how to be a landlord and not just be an owner who happens to rent out their house. Um, I'm trying to train them in doing that. And so my process does that because there's phone calls and emails and, you know, different things that happen at various points in a move-in process, as an example, as I'm trying to bring them along. So my process would, you wouldn't want to do that if you have investors, because your investors like, yeah, I get it. I have like 15 doors. I understand. Um, so I think that, you know, based on who your customer is too, is going to drive what your process will look like. And so it'd be hard to, to template that, um, completely, but I do like the idea of looking at other people's processes and getting ideas uh, to, to add to yours. Love that. Let's talk a little bit about the purpose and the end state here. I think a lot about efficiency versus effectiveness. And in practice here, that would look like a mountain of tasks that uh, are somewhat low level and you can do faster. You can do more of them with less effort. That would be really useful. If you have a bunch of tasks that don't feel like it's highly skilled labor and you can just make, you can do them faster. That would be, that would be progress. At the same time, if you could find a way to make those tasks go away, that would be even better than doing them faster and more effectively. What has y'all's experience been on the end state, going through all this process, all of this effort on the other side of it? Are you seeing more efficiency, which is doing things faster? Or are you also seeing instances where you're able to make certain repetitive tasks or comms just go away by virtue of providing a better experience and, and customer interaction? Um, I think for us, we've we've definitely have seen both, you know, by eliminating certain tasks, then it allows and I actually got to keep myself accountable here. I have some of our team members in this uh, chat room, but it gives them the opportunity to then do something better, right? There's good, better and best. And so if your day is spent doing all the good stuff, you'll never get to better and you'll definitely never get to, to best. And so what we've identified in our company is that the best is being able to call an owner and just say, hey, how's your day going? Because if the only call the owner gets is when something breaks and we need a check, that's really not going to create a very healthy relationship. So we've looked at what can we automate and have a computer do so that now we have the opportunity to just have, hey, how's it going conversations with our owners and now also with our tenants. So we've we set it up so that in our it's actually in our weekly process, certain people are asked to make five calls a week to owners and to tenants, and it's ranked by when was their last touch so that we can just, hey, how's it going? How's life? 
because trying to play that long game of building a relationship so that when that tenant wants to buy a house, who are they going to go with? When that owner wants to maybe buy another or sell, who are they going to go with? And they're also going to give, hopefully, better referrals and more referrals because we're not just calling when there's a problem. Because they hired us to fix the problem and to solve problems, not, hey, owner, this happened. What do you want to do about it? So we're trying to free up staff members so that we can spend more time on uh, building relationships. And that's only been available to us because of what we've been able to just have a computer take care of, you know, for example, setting up new folders when there's a new transaction, right? Why, why have somebody do that? The computer can do it for you automatically and do it consistently. That three minutes right there is now saved that can be applied to something that's better or even best. Something that's gets clear for me every time I dive into process is that as you as you develop the process and you work with your team to to document how they're currently do things and update the process to match that or vice versa you end up uncovering a lot of opportunities um, and some of these opportunities come from advancements in the process technology with the software that you're using so for example we we're in the process of migrating from process to, to lead simple there's a ton of things that weren't possible in Process Street that are now possible. The other thing that happens is you end up finding out exactly what your team is up to and you get to make decisions on whether those are still an efficient and effective use of their time. So some of those things maybe is just not worth doing at all because they're gonna it's gonna take your team X number of hours a year to do some step every time you sign on a new tenant but you're just trying to address some edge case that only happens 1% of the time. And even when it does, it only costs you $25 to fix or whatever. So you should just stop doing that altogether. Like every step has a cost and you need to run like a cost benefit analysis or an ROI for every single step within your processes. Um, the other thing is you're able to start moving tasks down the stack. <coughs> and by that, I mean, Maybe your head property manager isn't the one who has to be doing X, Y, and Z things on the lease signing uh, process anymore. And because your team has has changed and grown since you last looked at this process, you're like, oh, this is great. Half of these things can be done by a remote team member now, and you're able to reassign those and free up tons of time for your higher level team members. I'm always looking for instances in our business where um, we're having repetitive issues. So for example, on applications, before we had a good applications process, people will just like call every day to get an update on what's going on with their mm, application. Mm. And in reality, we're doing all the things we're calling their past landlords. We're trying to get a hold of their employer and verify stuff, but we didn't have a good process that like notified them. So it's like, man, why are we getting so many calls on our applications line? Let's look into that. And so, you know, reviewing call recordings, people are generally asking the same thing what's going on with my application. And so what we started doing through process, and this is even without automation, we've since automated it, but uh, once you call a landlord and you can't get a hold of them, a past one, email the tenant, the applicant and say, Hey, we just called your past landlord and, and we haven't been able to get a hold of them. You know, could you help us? Could you tell them we're trying to get a hold of them? Could you have them call us back? And so now, you know, we started doing that manually. So we call a landlord and email the tenant, the applicant and say, Hey, we just reached out. Now it's automated. So we, there's a task that says, Call the, call the past landlord to verify their rental history. And you do that. And as soon as you check it off, an automatic email goes out to the applicant saying, we just called, didn't get an answer. And so just so they know, and that cut our application call volume way down. So th those 
you know, additional people are really burning out that are having to answer the applications um, line all the time. And so we were able to remove work, so to speak, um, just by bettering our process and our communication uh, during the application process. I want to tag on to that. That's exactly the angle I was going on. It's we look at the work, the thousands of tasks that are piling up um, within an organization, particularly in heavy, heavy, busy seasons. We look at that. And rather than trying to ask the question of where's the work coming from, why is it happening? We just look at, okay, how can we get a body to help with the work? Mm-hmm. So the example of those applicant calls going through the roof, the, what a lot of people say is like, okay, how do I get a, a, a virtual team member trained on my team that then can handle this call volume versus looking at why is the call volume spiking? Why, like, what's the category breakdown of, of this now massive call volume that we can no longer support? And it turns out everyone has the same question. Where's my application at? And frankly, that's what we're all trained to do, right? Like e-commerce, every every platform we all interact with. I was thinking about this the other day. How long would you guys wait if you did not get an order confirmation email from Amazon after making an order? before chatting or giving them a call. All right, so for me, I said one hour. Uh, that's that's what I, I would actually, I would reach out via chat because their chat is good. Um, but first response time on application, if I won't ask you guys to post it in there, but if you were honest as well, where, where would that be? Um, and, and that's why people call. And they kind of, and that's a pretty well-established um, customer experience uh, metric. It's called phantom calls and, and I won't, go too deep on it, but calls that shouldn't have happened. Phantom calls are calls that shouldn't have happened if you had a, a good process in place. So I like to point people at like, okay, where's work piling up in the organization and why? And that might be the right place to start. That might be the place to actually streamline automate rather than focusing on a process that you really want to do, but you can't do because you're getting pulled away by all this unplanned work every single day because you're just getting roped into fires. The other one we get a lot is where's my security deposit? Yeah. Right. We have 30 days in Ohio, so they start calling on day five and it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about growth and what y'all's journey has been like and how your relationship with the idea of growth has changed. One observation that I've seen is that sometimes there's dysfunction between the BDM or the sales side of the organization and ops, people doing the onboarding. Joy on the sales side can be heaviness or burden on the ops side. Um, and that's not great. It's not a good feeling when it feels like there's there's tension between the people that are excited to close a deal and somebody else that has to deal with the reality of onboarding. Has y'all's relationship with the idea of adding units changed at all as you've gone through this journey? And if so, what does that look like? Scaling is definitely easier the with processes built out. So, you know, if there's a bunch of um, steps that have to happen, which obviously there are when a new property is onboarded and it just kicks off automatically. So when sales does a handoff to ops, um, there's a whole bunch of things that can happen automatically on the ops side of things, you know, introducing to the new owner and, you know, uh, scheduling when the initial inspection is going to happen on the home and all that. So it does take the burden off a little bit, I think, from the property managers, which would be ops, because the all the steps are just going to generate for them automatically. So there's not this like, okay, what did I do last? Okay. Yeah, that's right. I got to do that. And you forget to do something. And then it's just this, you know, major kind of um, everything's up in the air when, when you get a new property like that. So I think our the ops team uh, has been a little bit more optimistic when they get new properties uh, because the processes are there to uh, help streamline things for them. And before I hear from the rest of you guys down in chat, 
give me a number guys. How many doors, how many new doors per month is the point when it starts to, to really feel stressful? How many doors in a given month is like, if we were at that, I'd really be sweating it. Drop in chat what that number looks like from you. Peter Wolf, how about for you guys? Yeah. So as I think about onboarding, um, I've actually noticed that there's a certain personality type where once they really are on board with the processes and the checking off of tasks in a software, they become very focused on checking off those tasks. And if there's something where they're waiting on somebody else and they're not able to check it off, they get frustrated and they feel like, well, this, the BDM didn't give me all the info I really needed. And so I'm frustrated because I can't proceed with onboarding this client or, or this property. So that's been interesting. Um, and it's kind of forced us to get really clear with our BDM on, hey, here's exactly what we need before you turn this over to ops. Don't just count on them to clean up your messes, but vice versa, like, hey, ops, we're here to make the thing work for this owner. I know they didn't give you every single detail, but let's try and make this happen for them. Um, so that's been an interesting observation. And I think the team's resistance or excitement to growing and adding units is like a barometer on how great your systems and processes are to mm. a certain extent. Um, so that's been interesting as well. When I sense hesitation for, or frustration from the team, like it's great when, when the thing pops up in Slack and it's like 10 units are coming in two weeks and it's like dead silence. Like no one gives a thumbs up. No one's as excited. I'm like, Oh, we got a problem. We got to figure out why is the ops team not excited about this? Right. Peter, you also have a cool incentive because it, it ties into incentive structures too, right? Like yeah. how you incentivize the BDM, how you incentivize ops. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, we do have uh, an incentive I put in place maybe a year ago where every 50 units we add, we give everyone at the company an extra PTO day. So mm -hmm. if you were hired when we had 605 doors, when we hit 650, you and everybody else gets an extra PTO day. It's immediately available and you have it every year. And then when we hit 700, you get another one. It's immediately available. Now you have two extra days every year and so on for every 50 unit increments. We'll see, we'll see what happens as we get bigger. But for now, it's just a way to get everyone excited about the fact that we're growing. I think to, I'll, I'll, I'll keep wearing the hat for the, the small guy. Um, so you, maybe you don't have a BDM and you're like, holy crap, 50 new doors in one month. That'd be like winning the lottery. So how can your processes help you with that? So if you're if you're the one, you know, pl unplugging the toilet, you're also taking the order, you're doing all those things, you're not going to have time for sales. You know that sales is your lifeblood, that that's the oxygen your business needs, but you're so mm -hmm. caught up in the the crap that you can't get to it. So how in your processes can you bring systemization to to your marketing? So like one thing that we do we use a service that it goes every day and it looks for properties that have just sold and that are listed as an absentee owner. It looks for that, it pulls that information, it creates a letter and then sends that letter out. So it's consistent. Is it the best piece of marketing in the world? Probably not, but it's consistent. You know, I have, you have these ideas uh, that you want to do for marketing. How can you make it consistent so that it's getting done? Because that idea, as great as it is, if you don't put it to action, it's not gonna it's not gonna bring you doors. So as somebody who's maybe wearing all the hats or you just have a team of like two or three, how can you 
use processes to also bring to your marketing, not just to your, your operations, so that you are getting to that point where now you need a, a business development manager, or you need other people to help you bring on, on door. So you can do that for letters, postcards, putting in, you know, steps to remind to call, you know, all those things that, that they don't get forgotten. Cause I'm sure we've all been there, right? The whole day goes by, we're drained, we're tired, but then we sit back and like, what did I actually accomplish mm -hmm, today? Mm -hmm. And it's because we probably, you know, we could get into time blocking and all those other things, but having a process with some automation, it's going to protect you. It's going to make sure that you're at least getting reminded to do things and they're not just stuck in that world of, yeah, if I have free time or wouldn't it be nice to send a welcome package to every new landlord in town or, you know, whatever it is, build a process, put some automation to it and have it start doing it for you automatically. Pamela asked a great question that was related to this, this um, kind of wave of you bring on new clients, you feel overwhelmed and then you start onboarding them and you can't do any sales marketing and it can feel really lumpy. I think that's emblematic of where I think about business in general, which is what's the bottleneck. There's always a constraint. There's always limited factor, whether it's uh, sales, ops, somewhere in the organization. And I think that's germane here because a lot of people are wondering, where do I start with processes? Is there some, is it specific to me or is there some universal logic of what process I should probably start with? What do you guys, what feedback do you guys have? So for me, where I started is which ones were costing me money or getting me in trouble. And I don't mean trouble like the police are coming, but owners are complaining or, you know, just there's this high friction and we started there. And for us, it was around late rent and lease violations. Very simple processes. And I still, when I, you know, help people, I have them start with those because they're, they're easy. It's a quick win. But um, I would start with what are those processes that are costing you money because you're having to write shut up, go away checks, right? Mm. You know, oops, we screwed up. How much is it going to cost you to go away or, you know, not take us to court or whatever? So look at where you're having to write those checks and then start with that process and then go from there. I wouldn't, in my personal opinion, if you don't have processes in some type of tech format, I would not start with your move in or your move out because it's a it's a beast there's a lot of steps and i would argue and say that those are actually made up of multiple processes but i would take some small ones that have are causing a lot of friction and get those quick wins uh, i was gonna say i started uh processes just on things that only i did before i went to the rest of the team so things like running payroll uh publishing a blog post you know those are things that i realize as i'm doing them like i would forget how did i do that last time and i'm having to like relearn it when i go through and do it so i just started making processes for myself on all these like little weekly things that i did and so i could save that mental energy of trying to remember how i did it last time and like oh man i gotta go to that help article again and put it into a process that told me what to do so that i didn't have to think about all those little things and then we rolled it out obviously to everything else. And the team has agreed as well that not having to think that hard on all these steps that you have to do that you mm. have to remember to do is very beneficial, um, even just for mental energy. Yeah, I love the idea of starting with something very simple. Um, the simplest process, I mean, Wolfgang had a great point about like what's costing you money, right? My, my sort of metric that I use for where to start is what's the easiest possible process that I can start with because for me, and this might not be for everybody, but for me, my familiarity and comfort with the tool is like paramount. 
if I log into the software and I feel confused and I don't feel confident and excited about the power and what it's doing for me, I just have like this resistance to it and I'll, I'll like not log in, I won't use it. So what I like to do is start with something really simple that gets me excited. I get very comfortable with the software. I get, I understand how to add processes, add tasks, how to update them, and maybe a little bit of the very, very basic automation stuff. I use it myself and then I take it to the team and I'm like, by that point, I'm excited. And that comes through when I'm showing them. I'm like, mm. oh, look, we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. The team has to feel that from you, right? They have to feel your confidence and they have to feel your excitement. If you go and show them and they're and and you're like, oh, we can do this. And they're like, oh, and, and they're like, oh, well, what about this? And you're like, oh, I don't really know. Like, like you have to drive it, right? You have to be excited. You have to be that leader, that champion internally because just because you're the owner if you are the owner that doesn't that's not it like you need to actually show them the power of what's possible and that you're excited and confident in the solution mm -hmm. i couldn't agree more at this point guys i want to make sure everyone goes away with some really actionable steps uh, related to how to get started for those of you that like to read and want a really short book that basically summarizes this entire panel with a lot more in-depth um, understanding, there's a book called The Checklist Manifesto, and I'm dropping this in the chat. If you text processes to that number that I just posted in chat, um, we'll get you a copy of that book actually sent. So you can get that takeaway from this as a really great place to start. It's a short book as well. If you're not a heavy reader, uh, I'm not one. So um Hopefully that's super helpful. That was a great resource. Love it. Guys, hope you got some value out of this. I'm glad we were able to work with, work with and hear from some people that have actually done it and are living it. Um, so I love that you guys were able to share and that we're able to have this conversation. And I know these guys are available as a resource if you want to reach out to them and have some further conversations. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap and head back out into the main room. Thanks for being here with us, guys. That's all for today's Triple Win Property Management Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing a piece of your life with us. We do not take it for granted. I also want to give a shout out to Carol Housel for everything she and our team does to make these possible. It's crazy to think about over 5,000 professional property managers have pressed play on episodes in season one and season two now. And we really want to encourage you to keep giving feedback because more and more people are listening. It's getting better and better and better thanks to everything that you're sharing with us. If you like this enough to listen, want to encourage you to share it with other people. Um, you can give us feedback directly on those social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you're hanging out. You can also send us an email at triplewin at secondnature.com. And we just want to give more. We're, we're, there's no sales pitch here. Just want to offer more resources that help you find and stack your next triple win and become a triple win driven property manager. So where can you find that? You can find the private Facebook group. You can find our blog. You can find our newsletter. You can find more resources all at rbp.secondnature.com. Just search for what you're looking for there. And every time we see you, we want to see a better version of you and your business to that end. Keep it going. Feel inspired. Take our encouragement. And we'll see you next time.